Hello, my name's Patrick, and I'm a Scream Queen. I'm a Scream Queen? And so are you! <laughs> Hello again, Screamers, and welcome to another episode of Scream Queens, the podcast where horror gets bent. This is episode 32, and tonight, Mr. Brad and I are taking a trip to the Tribeca Film Festival to check out not one, but two terrifying films. First, we're going to find out why the Bleeding House is bleeding. I certainly hope it's not that time of the month. And then we're off to Israel to catch a case of rabies. Couldn't we have gotten that here in Arkansas or something? Nah, not this kind of rabies. And finally, you know what time of year it is? That's right, it's Friday the 13th, which means only one thing. Another one of my long rambling stories. Yay! So this may be the end of the world as we know it, but I feel fabulous. So hopefully you will too. And if not, get your shit together by the time this promo ends, girl. God, can you solve the Ryan case? The Dead of Night, 1873. A scream, a cry of murder, two innocent people slain, and a killer never found. But that's where you come in. The Ryan Case, 1873, is an interactive murder mystery where you are the detective. Time Out New York calls it CSI in the 1870s. For more information or to order tickets, visit www.liveintheatre.com or call 212-780-4787. Hello again, all you gorgeous, gorgeous screamers out there. Oh, it's so nice to be talking to you guys again. Okay, what's been going on since the last time we hung out? Uh, oh, hey, first of all, I wanted to say thank you so much for everybody who came out and supported me for AIDS Walk. I didn't meet my goal, but that's okay. There's still time for you guys if you want to donate. Uh, the link is on the webpage. It will be in the show notes. So by, if you have a couple bucks to spare, please, Mr. Brad and I will love you even more than we already do if you can help us out. The walk itself was kind of a uh, train wreck because it was pouring rain, so everything was a swamp. Brad and I didn't actually walk. Sorry. Sorry. Brad wasn't feeling well, and I just... I <laughs> See, the Gay Men's Chorus had already performed there in the morning. We had to get up and sing at 9 o'clock in the goddamn morning, which means we had to be there at 7.30 in the morning, and it was a nightmare trying to find where we were supposed to be. The concert went okay. There were sound issues and all this other stuff, and, you know, hello, we're gay men up before noon. You're lucky we were even conscious, much less in tune. So, you know what? Take what you get. Uh, so, uh, we didn't actually walk. The, the walk itself was a success. They, they broke their record for last year, so hooray. Thank you, everybody, again. Sorry, we're going to be AIDS-heavy again this show, but Bradford and I went to see The Normal Heart on Broadway. I guess it was last week. Now, The Normal Heart, for those of you who don't know, was a play that uh, was written by Larry Kramer. It played off-Broadway in the, mid, in the early, early 80s, right at the, uh, towards the beginning of the whole AIDS crisis. I believe when it, when it premiered, the disease didn't have a name yet, and... Um, it was being ignored by government all over, local government and uh, federal government, and things were bad. And the guy who wrote it is the man who founded Gay Men's Health Crisis, which uh, is the charity that AIDS Walk supports. And it's, it's his autobiographical story, even though all the names are changed, and how he founded the, the, the charity and all the problems that he had. And what's fascinating about the play is that it was written in the midst of it, like not knowing what was going to be coming next at all. And... Um, so it's almost like a journal of that time period and how hopeless everything was and, and, and how far we've come and how far we haven't come. And when the show premiered back in the 80s, it shook things up so much, all of a sudden it did become 
national, it, it, all of a sudden the disease did start getting national attention. It shocked New York City government into doing something finally, which eventually helped the uh, federal government. So this is a really important piece, historically and artistically. And it's also a lesson for the young gays out there as well. Like you young gay people today have things a lot easier. You know, the whole coming out process for a lot of people is a lot easier. The fun has come back to being gay, which wasn't there for a long time. But it helps to kind of point out that that your freedom now didn't come free. And there was a body count, a big one. The war's still going on, so, you know, while you're having a great time, you just might want to remember where you came from. But featured in the cast was Lee Pace, used to be on Pushing Daisies, very sexy man, and also Jim Parsons from The Big Bang Theory, who is delightful in this, is this fey little guy named Tommy. While it wasn't a laugh riot to sit through, it was an important thing to see. And so if you're in the New York area, I think you have until June 10th to see it. So go, go now. Tell them I sent you. Like I said before, always. They're not going to know who I am, but, you know, hey, fuck them. And speaking of plays, remember last year when I was doing my murder mystery show and I got the tar kicked out of me by some random audience member? It happened again. Now, for those of you who don't know, I'm doing this show, The Ryan Case, which you heard advertised at the beginning of the show, but it's an interactive murder mystery, which means it's not on a stage and the audience doesn't sit there and watch. No, you're part of it. You're, you form a team. Uh, you get maps to the area. You get a list of suspects and you get all the clues that you need. And you're set loose on the streets of Chinatown to hunt down us actors and you grill us. So it's all improv for the most part. And the thing is, people occasionally take things way too seriously. Like, well, I'm a cop, so therefore I can exercise police brutality. And for some reason, it's always me. I don't know why. I'm so charming, you know? But this time, I didn't even get a word out. Like, normally what happens, I'm, I'm a drunk, so I'm asleep on a park bench when people find me. And I wait for them to wake me up. Because, ooh, they're always like, oh, is, it, is he part of the cast or is he an actual hobo? Are we going to get knifed? So when they finally wake me, I'm like, oh, oh, gosh, oh, my gosh, please, I don't have any money. Don't hurt me, blah, blah, blah. And I jump up to stand on the park bench when I do this. This guy, this giant mongoloid, now you think I'm exaggerating, but when I told the people, when I told my stage manager, you know, afterwards, what happened, she's like, which one is it? I'm like, the giant mongoloid, and she looks and goes, oh, oh god, he's huge. But anyway, the giant mongoloid just comes up to me and goes, sit down. And he pushes me on my chest. Now remember, I'm standing on a park bench, so I've got the, the, the back rest of the, of the bench right lining up with the crease of my knees. So it was, in effect, taking my knees out. So I fell backwards, headfirst, over the park bench. And had I not caught myself with my super ma- <laughs> with my super muscular calf muzzle, I could have broken my neck. But if that wasn't bad enough, when I catch myself, he grabs me by the collar and starts swinging me around this circle. And I'm like, I broke free. I know my self-defense move. So I did the hi thing to get his har- arms off. And I'm like, get your fucking hands off me, asshole. It's a game. It turns out the rest of his team was his family, and they were all equal assholes. So I'm like, this was really dangerous. So as soon as they left, I, you know, doop, 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 texted the um, stage manager. That's, that's the sound I make when I text. I, I type, and I go, doop, 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 shut up, and had that whole team bounced. But it almost happened again the week after that. So I don't know what's going on. If I'm dead by the time you hear this, now you know why. Uh, apparently, we're all going to be dead soon anyway, because the apocalypse is coming on Saturday. God damn it. Why does it have to come on Saturday? can't come on Monday. I think I would be in a better mood for, for Monday. But that's why I was in a big rush to get an episode out to you guys. Because I said, hey, if the world is ending, I gotta get one last show out to you guys. So you're not watching shitty movies during your final days. Now, I don't know how it is everywhere else. But this asshole has been pushing the doomsday thing for May 21st like crazy here. There are posters all over the subway. 
And what I think is funny about him, I'll put a picture of him on the website, but it says, the poster leads off with, Global Earthquake, colon, the greatest ever, exclamation point. And that just gets me excited. I'm like, ooh, the greatest ever. It's like the greatest show on Earth. This is going to be the best apocalypse ever. But what's great about this, it's like, we're all going to die. Judgment Day is on May 21st. But before we go, please buy my book, The Doomsday Code, and find out all about it. Okay, so I'm supposed to spend my last days reading about the impending apocalypse that I can do nothing to stop to just scare me even more. And before I die, I really should give you my $29.95. Don't give me the book for free because, you know, you need my $29.95 to spend in these last... Fuck you! Fuck you, sir! Fuck you! Not only are these things on posters, there are trucks driving around the city with billboards on the back and they have loudspeakers broadcasting the end of the world is coming! The end of the world is coming! And they're everywhere! This guy is a dick! But if he's not a dick... I'm getting one last show out to you guys, so enjoy it, dick. And I think it's no coincidence that the apocalypse is happening this weekend, and it's coinciding with the return of the Vortex Haunted House. Remember that, guys? Remember that from the Halloween show? That was the haunted house that I toured with my friend Kristen, the one that you walked through in complete darkness, alone, and then horrible sexual things happened to you? Well, it's back. They do what they call a summer haunt every year. It's by invitation only, and FYI, I didn't get an invitation, so fuck you, even though I promoted the shit out of you guys, but yeah, they're back this weekend, so it's a big secret what it's going to be, and um, hey, why don't we take a listen to a new segment that they did on Spike TV about last year's Vortex Haunted House, for those of you who don't really believe what Kristen and I told you, okay? Okay. We're here at NYC Halloween Haunted House for one of the best haunted houses in all of New York City. And Kate here is about to go through. Kate, how are you feeling right now? I can't even think right now, actually. I'm so f***ing scared. Alright, we're here with Josh, one of the co-creators and producer of Halloween Haunted House. Josh, what are we about to get into? Uh, some pretty hardcore stuff. Uh, we tried to create a new kind of haunted house uh, where you have to walk through alone, basically uh, test your limits, push you as far as you can go, and try to be as radically different from any of the other haunted houses in the city. And what is the best reaction you've seen so far? Uh, people crying, <laughs> shaking, <laughs> panic attacks, anxiety attacks. That's, that's good for us, that's success. I think that's solid. I had no idea about any of this, but <laughs> all right. Whoa! You were the first one in, first one out. Shibby just went through. How was it? Amazing. I don't know. There's a whole lot of awkward and scary down there. <laughs> what was the scariest part? Um, oh god, the beginning, going through the tunnel. I got some stuff put on my face that you don't really want put on your face. The sex scene? <laughs> Can I say that on camera? This is a naughty haunted house. Very, the naughtiest haunted house I've ever been to, but it was great. Sex scenes, scary. Yes, sex scenes in haunted houses are scary. And that stuff that he had put on his face that you don't want put on your face, if you weren't listening back in the day, fuck you. But it was menstrual blood. I had menzy blood on my face. If this perked your interest, by all means, go back and listen to the Halloween episode. Check out what Kristen and I said about it. I'm going to be putting this trailer on the website in the show notes because you didn't get to see some of the visuals. Fucking fly here next Halloween and see it because they do a different thing every time. It's not the same old scares.
So they'll have a whole new concept. Enough about them. And why am I pimping their shit out? I'm going to pimp my own shit out. And I want to say a huge thank you to Brian of the Big Gay Horror Fan blog for his really great review of our little show here. It was really unexpected. It just showed up in my inbox when I was doing those Google Alert thingies. And he just made my little day. So I'm going to have a link to that in the show notes as well. But he touched my heart deeply when he said, With each podcast, Patrick combines his effusive love for all that is terror with a queer bent and a rose-scented potty mouth, making each show not only savagely bloody, but totally unique as well. Rose-scented potty mouth. Rose Nyland scented? Because that would be awesome. Betty White breath. Ew. Okay, gross. Never mind. I take it back. Anyway, there's a link to him in the friends section, so go see what he got. And by the way, Brian, I know you were at Horror Hound Weekend last time, and I looked for you the whole damn time, but you know what? I only have seen you in zombie makeup, so I don't know what you look like naked faced. Well, either, really. Moving along, talking about pimp and shit, this is where we're going to insert the conversation with Mr. Brad. So before we get into the real meat of the show, I just want to do some quickie reviews of some stuff that do not deserve a hell of a lot of conversation. First of all, if you're not watching The Killing on AMC, start watching it now. Uh, It's a really great moody. It's like Twin Peaks without the dancing midgets, but still good. And my favorite reason for watching it is because it stars Billy Campbell. As this guy running for mayor, Billy Campbell played the dreamy Dr. John... I almost said Dr. John Cryer. That's not right. It was Dr. John Fielding on the amazing PBS miniseries Tales of the City, also starring Olympia Dukakis and everybody who's awesome. Uh, If you haven't seen it and you're a gay man, shame on you. Go see it right now. Not the shitty Showtime sequels. No, no, no. Watch the PBS one. Read the books. You owe it to yourself. Armistead Maupin. Look him up. He's awesome. Now to pimp my shit out. Remember how I used to talk about that time I was in Jodie Foster's Beaver, the movie? But yeah, uh, I wasn't sure if the movie was going to come out, but it's out and I saw it. And it's and it's good. It's depressing as hell. I thought it was going to be a comedy, but it's not. But to be perfectly honest, it does get into an area that was very horror movie-esque because if you don't know, this guy is extremely depressed and for some reason he starts... He has a personality split, and the more aggressive side of his personality is coming out in this stuffed beaver puppet that he keeps on his hand all the time. Say what you will about Mel Gibson's personal life. His performance of this is extraordinary and frightening and funny. But as the movie goes on, like at first it's funny and it's cute and everything, but as the movie goes on, the puppet starts to take more and more dominance. And towards the end, it's kind of like one of them freaky, most freaky puppet movies. But anyway, check it out. Check it out. I liked it. And yes, I'm visible for approximately, approximately, approximately three quarters of a second. Don't go into it to see me. But then again, why would you see it? No, so forget it. Don't see the fucking movie. Fine. I saw Devil. You know, the thing produced by M. Night And you know what? It's not awful, but it is. What does that mean? Well, there's a nugget of a good story in there, but there's so much M. Shyamalan, you know, M. Night touches in there that just ruin it. For instance... There is all this unnecessary off-camera narration explaining things that are really obvious and at length. I'm like, I'm not retarded. I understand what's going on. Hi, I'm going to explain that scene you just saw in case you couldn't figure out what was going on. And by the way, I'm going to lay on this really heavy story of some myth that nobody's ever heard of before. And the rules of myth are going to change throughout the course of the movie because I can do that. Nobody's heard of this myth before. And I could do that because I'm M. Night Shyamalan and it'll be a twist. Shut 
up! Shut up, shut up, shut up, shut up! God! I feel like I'm watching a Renona Ryder movie. Yeah. And I know he didn't direct it, but he wrote it, and it's got all of his touches, and somehow manages to build no suspense or interesting characters whatsoever. It's not the train wreck I thought it was going to be, and secretly was kind of hoping it would be, but it's still really fucking bad. Now, I also wanted to quickly talk about two movies that I just saw that pissed me off in similar ways. The first movie is called Damned by Dawn, which is available on Netflix Instant Watch. It's an Australian movie, I think, and it's about this woman going to her family home out in the woods somewhere and having to deal with this banshee that's coming for the soul of her grandmother who's dying and apparently has haunted the family for generations. There's so much going for this movie. The mood and the atmosphere is really solid. The acting is great. And there's this terrifying scene where the banshee is coming for the grandmother early on in the movie and she's just walking through the house and screaming. It was really scary. Granted, the ghost effects were not great. They were kind of lame. And I'm like, I can deal with that because this is so tense. However, as the movie goes on, all these other CGI spirits get put into it and the CGI is so bad on so many levels, it ruins the movie. And it's not even like just the CGI is bad. The design of the spirits are ridiculous. And then after the effects die, just the script just starts spiraling off into its own thing and does the exact same thing the devil did. And then it takes the Banshee myth and just keeps twisting it around to its own purposes. So by the end of it, the whole mythology of the movie is really vague. And it's a downer. I'd say watch the first half hour and then shut it off. On a similar note, there's this movie I just got on uh, demand called Forget Me Not. And this had an interesting premise. This group of kids are graduating from high school. And they're, you know, going for their big party weekend. But they find themselves being stalked by the ghost of this girl who's killing them off one by one. What's so novel about that, Patrick? Well, I'm telling you what's novel about it. It's not even that that she's killing them, which she does. You know, there's some somewhat gory kills in it. But they're being erased completely so that nobody remembers that kid anymore. They're gone. They didn't exist. You know, nobody remembers them except, you know, the survivor girl. They'll be like, hey, why are we leaving? Aren't we waiting for Ted? And everyone else is like, who's Ted? You know, Ted, your brother? I don't have a brother. What are you talking about? And I said, huh, this is kind of interesting and kind of sad. I mean, how awful to not even just be dead, but to have nobody miss you and not, not even to have nobody miss you, but just to never have been at all. Creepy. The problem is the movie is two hours long. They dragged the shit out forever. Somebody needed to take a red pencil to the script because they had, a, again, had a nugget of a good idea and just beat it to death. And it's, it's unfortunate. And again, some shitty CGI kills it, but mostly the running time. Sorry, a horror movie of this type should not be running more than an hour and a half unless you're doing something epic and apocalyptic. And it just started raining when I started talking about the apocalypse. Holy crap, it's pelting. Well, I believe the great floods have started. So I think I better be moving along with the show. So let's get into the bulk of it. And, um, but first, let's, let's play some good music before we all die. So here with a valuable lesson for everyone out there, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, may I present Miss Kathy Garrick. He loves me. He loves me not. He loves me. He loves me not. He loves me. He loves me not. Tom is big and brawny with sensitivity. Dick is so romantic and complimentary. Harry is my soulmate and we talk so openly. I'd marry any one of them. Here's the travesty. Good men are gay. 
straight from the Joffrey Ballet. All the good men are gay. It's a Terence McNally play. In a showbiz career, it's just queer after queer. against homos. I love homos. Some of my best friends are homos. All of my best friends are homos. So I was very fortunate to win uh, a pair of tickets to see The Bleeding House, which was screening at the Tribeca Film Festival this year, from the folks who run the New York City Horror Film Festival, which happens, I'm not sure when that happens, but I'm sure I'll find out soon. Anyway, <clears throat> now you think, being a lifelong resident of New York City, I would have gone to the Tribeca Film Festival before, but I haven't. Shame on me, shame on me. So this was doubly exciting. So, the screening we got to go to see was at 11.30 on a Thursday, and of course I said to Mr. Brad, do you want to go? And he's looking at the, he's looking at the trailer like, um, do I want to go? And I said, I really don't know. But you know what? Why am I talking about the trailer when we could be listening to the trailer, goddammit? Which means shut up, Patrick. God. This is my workshop. This is the place I feel most comfortable in the whole house. Why'd you pick this house? In my ideal world, you never have to meet the rest of my family. I travel around. I hear things. I stop through a town. A family is mentioned to me. You all are quite famous down there, you realize. I am trying one house at a time to rectify these things. All these little imperfections. Mm -hmm. 
げます。Okay, now the thing that that's missing from your experience of this is that this trailer is very visual. You can, you can get an idea of what's going on from what listening, but. What you're missing, uh, interspliced between all of this, little snips of dialogue, are shots of tubes, you know, rubber tubing, through which you see blood slowly flowing and eventually dripping drop by drop into large glass jars. So, clearly, people are being bled, hence the name, The Bleeding House. Anyway, this movie is the story of the Smith family. Now, the Smith family is that family in town that everybody talks about, you know, in hushed whispers and behind cupped hands. And you tell your kids not to play with those Smith family kids. That whole family is just bad news. They did something. What they did, we're not really sure at first. But whatever they did has got them shunned from society in this wherever nowhere place that they live. And whatever it is has been eating them alive for some years now. There's this family dinner scene that is just so tense with things nobody's talking about. Like, it's just, it's, it's grueling in its own way to watch just because you're like, God, just somebody cut the tension, please. Or at least tell me what it's about. But they don't. So, the Smith family, you got mom and dad. Dad was apparently a lawyer at some point. And now he's been disbarred, and he's trying to get back into it. Nobody's going to touch him. And he's supposed to have this big potential job coming up, but doesn't get it. So everybody's pissed off at Dad. Mom has been aching to get back into society, but evidently whatever happened was her fault. They live out on this farm miles away from anybody, and they're so isolated, and she's just aching. Whatever's holding them there is her fault. So it's, uh, so it's the double, uh, like I want to get out, but I can't. Uh. So she stays up in the attic and she makes art, really ugly art. But you know what? She's an ugly person inside. And he got the two kids. He got uh, this older son who seems to be the light, the, the light and the hope of the family. You know, he's going to school. He's getting out. He's running away with his girlfriend. He's like, fuck this family. I'm out of here. And his girlfriend's all like, oh my god, I can't believe I'm dating somebody from the Smith house. And finally, there's the teenage daughter who's like all like black and tragic all the time and kind of gothy, but not really. And she doesn't talk and you know, she just shoots glares at everybody and she keeps bugs pinned to her wall and just, they're all fucked up is what I'm saying. Anyway, into this tense little house, one day stumbles this man, a mysterious southern stranger in a white linen suit carrying a big old suitcase and spewing a whole lot of sugar from his mouth. You see, apparently his car has broken down somewhere down the road, and, and it's getting late, and it's getting cold. Would it be all right if I spent the night? Of course, the father's like, well, I don't know. Let me ask my wife. And the wife is like, no, 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 no. But he keeps spouting his sugar. This mysterious stranger who we learned is named Nick. Well, he's got the snake charmer's tongue. You know, you just he just starts talking and it's like listening to preaching. And then the beautiful music and they're like, all right, you can come on in. 
after that, the whole movie kind of turns into what's like an extended Tales from the Dark Side episode, because this guy, of course, is not what he appears to be. What he is is not exactly clear at all, but he's there to save this family from the sins that are just ripping them apart. And of course, the only way to cleanse the sins and save their souls is to set them free. And you start to realize this is what he does. He goes from town to town and finds that family that everybody talks about, and he ends their suffering. And after this, nothing is particularly unpredictable, but predictability, for me, was what made it uneasy. Because, you know, he's getting everybody one at a time and smooth-talking them and bleeding them out or just hunting them down and is always 10 steps ahead and always just calm as a cucumber. I felt like it gave this whole feeling of inevitability to the whole thing. And you start to wonder, is this even a guy at all? Is he some sort of angel, like dark angel in a linen suit? I'm not telling. Now, the reviews in this movie are mixed, and I understand both sides of it, because it's slow and plotting, and like I said, there's, nothing, there's no big shocks in it. But for me, that was working and not working at the same time. Like, it doesn't feel like a horror movie. There's no blah moments, and even the music's not particularly scary. It's strange. It's this mix of hammered dulcimer and, and guitar and maybe a, some, some violin here and there. It's not horror movie music. It's very soothing, folksy sort of thing, which adds to the just relax, let it happen sort of a feel to it. Now, the thing that for me makes it worth seeing is the performance of the guy who plays Nick, this actor named Patrick Breen. He's just so eerily charming that you just want to love him and kill him at the same time. And you just he never shuts up with this uh, sermonizing and just non-poetic poetry, just always just so, so charming charming and just talking you down and it's all just inevitable and just relax and let it bleed out and everything like that that when one of the characters actually just says would you just shut up the audience applauded it's a, i don't know how else to say it it's an extraordinary performance now you might know patrick breen he's a character actor who's been in everything but the big thing you might recognize him from he was in galaxy quest as Quellic, uh, the alien that dies, you know, everybody cries over. That was him. He's done tons of TV and got to, he was in Men in Black. And, and Now, I mentioned earlier on in the show that Mr. Brad and I had gone to see The Normal Heart on Broadway the day after we saw this movie. I had been in a production of The Normal Heart in college. So immediately when we got there, I had to open up the playbill and find out who's going to be playing my character, this character named Mickey. I look at it, it says Patrick Breen. Patrick, wait a second. I know that name. I'm looking at the picture. I'm like, wait a minute. And I can flip through the... It's the guy from The Bleeding House, like 24 hours later, playing the role that I played. So in my mind, I'm like, whoa, this is so cosmic. We are connected. Shut up. It was entertaining for me. Anyway, I'd say it's worth a rental, but much like uh, my review of Rubber, this is not a horror, horror movie. This is an art house horror movie. So take that with a grain of salt. But I want to say thank you to the New York City Horror Film Festival for giving me the tickets and opening this up to me because had I not gone, I would not have gotten the program and I would not have learned that the next movie was available to watch online, which I'll get into right after this. I ain't gonna be your fool no more. I didn't cry till my eyes are so.
Okay, now the other film from the Tribeca Film Festival that I would like to speak about is an Israeli horror film called Rabies. This is apparently Israel's first horror film, and I gotta say they did an interesting job. This film is weird. But before I get into that, I just want to say I had heard about the movie earlier in the week. Uh, they listed it in the paper, one of the New York papers here, as one of the choice Tribeca screenings to go to for that particular day. And I said, oh, it's too bad I'm not going to be able to go. Well, Mr. Brad and I were at... The festival seeing the Bleeding House, they had little programs describing everything else that was going on. And I discovered that there was a special channel on the Tribeca Film Festival website where they were streaming select movies from the festival at certain times. For free, yo! Damn! And there was maybe one or two days left, and lo and behold, on that last day, from like midnight to 6 o'clock in the morning, they were going to be screening rabies. I let everybody know. I tweeted it. I put it on the Facebook page. So if you're not following me, you missed out. I know some of you got to see it. But let's talk about the movie. I could play the trailer for you, but it's all in Hebrew. I don't know how much good that's going to do most of you. Let's just say it's intriguing. Now, first of all, the film is called Rabies. There is no rabies in the film. You're not. I was kind of expecting a cabin fever sort of a thing happening, but no, that's not happening at all. It's more of a metaphorical rabies. What does that mean? Well, Simmer down, goddammit, I'll tell you in a minute. But let me tell you this, if you're waiting for Jim to run and go fetch Calpurnian to come out and shoot that mad dog in the street, it ain't gonna happen. That's a literary joke, if you didn't get it too bad. Go to the library! Now, the film opens, like a lot of films I've been seeing lately, in total darkness for several minutes. And you realize that you're following these two characters, a young man and a young woman, who are evidently out in the woods somewhere, and she's fallen into some kind of a hole, some kind of a man-made hole, and it appears to be some kind of a trap. He is on the outside, talking to her, saying, calm down, I'm going to get help. She's like, no, please don't leave me, please don't leave me. He's like, shut up, I'm going to go get help. She's like, oh my God, we're being punished for what we did. And he's like, no, we're not. And we're like, what are you talking about? Anyway, he leaves, the lights come on, the credits roll, and we discover, you know, from a radio broadcast that these two are these missing teenagers that have run away, these rich teenagers that have run away, brother and sister. Now forget about them for a while, because I gotta tell you, this plot is gonna be almost impossible to describe because there are 900 things going on at once and 750,000 characters. I'm not exaggerating. Seriously, 750,000 characters. The closing credits went on for 17 hours. No, I'm kidding. So... You think you're getting one kind of a movie. You've got these rich teenagers in the woods. Somebody's fallen into a trap, a man-made trap that's clearly made to catch man. And you're like, oh, it's going to be one of these kind of foresty horror movies with the hillbilly hunting people. And you know what? You're not wrong. There is a hillbilly that's hunting people. And now you're adding into a mix. There's this car full of, uh, I, I guess they're, they're t- you know, college-age tennis players, professional tennis players. They get lost on the way to the match. And not only do they get lost, they run over somebody. Oh, my God. Who did they run over? It's the it's the brother of the girl who's down the who's down in the hole. Now I thought this was funny because the, you find out that the, the 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 rich kids that have run away they're named Tassi and Ofer. T a z i o f e r. Tassi and Ofer. So all of a sudden I realized ah so the tennis players just ran over Ofer. <laughs> Even in subtitles that was funny. Fortunately, they haven't killed him, and he's like, oh my god, my sister's down a hole, you gotta help me, and they're like, no, we can't, yes, we can. Anyway, the guys go off to help, and the girls stay with the car, and you're thinking it's gonna be this kind of a movie, the killer's gonna hunt them down, he's gonna kill them one at a time. As you quickly learn, nothing in this movie is what it appears to be. Nothing goes the way you expect it's going to go. Yes, there is a mad, you know, hillbilly killer in the woods, but I believe what he's, he's called, in movie terms, is a MacGuffin. Because he winds up being unconscious for the most for the majority of the film. And the rest of these characters wind up killing each other off in completely unrelated things. 
So the rabies that we're talking about is this kind of strange madness that settles over everybody and this kind of uh, unfocused, almost mindless violence that would happen if someone is, you know, kind of infected with rabies, that kind of mind fever. But don't expect an explanation. Don't expect to find out what's causing it. It's just happening, and you're all caught in the middle of it. And you start mixing in more characters. There's crazy cops. The cops come to help the two girls that are waiting with the car, and they turn out to be, like, all, like, sex abusey, rapey kinds of cops, you know, those kind of cops, and that adds to the craziness. So, like, the girls are getting hunted by the cops, and it's nuts. And there's all kinds of craziness. There's this sledgehammer murders. There's bear traps. There's all kinds of kinky gunplay. Somebody pees in a minefield. Yeah, somebody, one of the girls is, has to stop to pee, and all of a sudden she looks up and sees a sign and realizes that she's peeing in a minefield. Now, you might think that's kind of odd, but you have to remember, it's Israel. It's been a war zone since, you know, forever. So I guess that's kind of how you live there. And it's like, okay, well, that's something you don't see every day. However, it goes back to what I'm talking about last week when I was talking about Easter Bunny Kill Kill. Again, horror movie with a whole scene featured about somebody peeing, squatting in the woods for a really long time. And you know what? It's even in the trailer. So this is a hot selling point for this movie. Come on, kids. Come see the girl peeing in the woods. Yay! It's the closing shot of the trailer is the girl peeing. Mm-hmm. You don't even know she's in a minefield, but she's just peeing in the woods for real. Mm-hmm. Like we do in Israel, la 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 la. Anyway, this movie is bonkers. It's just bonkers. I don't know if I recommend it or not. I, I enjoyed it, but at the end of it, I was just not left with a headache per se, but I was just like, what the fuck did I just watch? Some of you are going to hate it because the plot's really unfocused. It's all over the place, but I think that's the point. However, I've seen some other reviews that say it's it, it's it's a genre buster because it sets up all these, these things you see in every horror movie ever and then doesn't give you any of them and goes in a whole new direction and yeah that's true as well i mean the acting's good and really once i was able to settle down and and accept the fact that this killer was not coming back and that we're going in a whole different direction i was able to relax and have fun with it because up until this point i'm like when is this guy gonna wake up okay that's another one dad that's another one dad that's another one dad oh i guess he's not really necessary they're taking care of it all by their own selves Hmm, how curious. Let's talk about what I did like about the movie. Um, these four kids in the car, the tennis, the tennis kids, I, you know, they're all, they're, they're a lot of fun. I mean, one of the things that I really enjoyed was that one of the guys was named Peeny. P-I-N-I. And he's kind of the pain in the ass character. He's the smart ass. He's always making sex jokes and being gross to the girls. And somebody said, I don't remember who it was, but somebody had the line, don't piss me off, Peeny. And even in subtitles, it was funny. So we're pissing off Peeny and running over Ofer. So, <laughs> unintentional comedy. And like I said, Peeny's the pervert of the group. And because he's the pervert of the group, we have a good five-minute conversation about how watching a girl pee is the sexiest thing in the world. And then we discuss why or why not that's sexy for quite some time. And then we have the girl peeing in the minefield. So again, we're all about excretory functions in horror movies. But is watching a girl pee the sexiest thing in the world? Not for me. If it is for you, you know what? I just decided I don't want to know. Zombart, put down the phone. Put down the phone, Zombart. I don't want to know. Oh, and also, this this movie proves one of my laws of horror movies. Something I don't think I've discussed here before. I keep meaning to, but then I forget and it never comes up again. But it's the DAD principle. The dad principle, if you would. No, it has nothing to do with your father. It has to do with the dogs. Whenever you're introduced a dog into a horror movie, or really any kind of animal, you know, anytime anybody has a pet, it's normally a dog, but in 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 the principle rule, I use dog, but it can be you can substitute anything for dog. But it's the DAD principle. The dog always dies. 
Someone's probably going to pee on camera, and the dog always dies. I haven't come up with a cute little acronym for, for, for peeing on camera yet, but yeah, there's a dog. The dog is awesome. The dog's name is Booba, and he's this awesome German Shepherd, and he dies. And really, that's the only thing the killer in this accomplishes. And by the way, the killer's wearing a snazzy little Micro Myers-esque jumpsuit, which I appreciated. Very fashion savvy. At the end of the day, as much, as confusing and muddled as the movie is, I, I, I think in retrospect, I liked it. Just because, as I said, there's a million different plots going on at once. They're all really interesting plots. The girl down the hall is interesting. What's going on with the rich runaways is interesting. What's happening with the two guys, uh, tennis guys, in the woods is interesting. The nightmare that's going on between the, the two girls and the, and the crazy cops is really interesting. The story of this forest ranger who's just trying to find his dog and save one of these other people is really interesting. So you got like eight movies going on at once, and they all end really, really unpleasantly for everybody involved. Hey, for a first effort for a country's first horror movie, rock on! Not playing it safe at all, going into complete crazy town, way to go Israel, rabies, I liked it. Check out the trailer, moving on. Alright, it is a dismal afternoon, my allergies are gone crazy, I have barely slept as a result of it, and it's been the worst day ever so far but you know what i'm not surprised you know why because it's friday the 13th and you know what that means here at scream queens headquarters that's right it's time for part two of my friday the 13th extravaganza Now, some of you new listeners are probably saying, what the fuck is happening? What just happened there? Do we really need to hear more about Friday the 13th? Yes, goddammit, you do, because you haven't heard it my way. You haven't heard it my way. You may remember from all the way back in episode 3, I have a certain special relationship with these Friday the 13th films. Uh, each one has its own tale to tell, and not all of it has to do with what happened on screen. Back in episode 3, I talked about what happened when my mom took me and some of my unsuspecting friends as 9, 10-year-olds to see the original film permanently scarring us for life, and I promised that every time a Friday the 13th came up on the calendar, I would tell you about the next film in the sequence of the series. So, welcome to part two. You know what? Let's listen to the trailer. We didn't do it the first time, but we've grown, haven't we? Yes, we have. So let's share. On a June night in 1980, Friday the 13th, 12 of her friends were murdered. Wrong! It was only nine! Why should Loser. Friday the 13th, 1981, be any different? Because you can't do math, bitch! Friday the 13th, part two. The body count continues. Fourteen. You're doomed. You're all doomed. Fifteen. Sixteen. Help! Seventeen. Eighteen. Nineteen. Two. 
Cassandra? Jeff? The day you count on for terror is not over. Friday the 13th, part two. So picture it, Long Island, the spring of 1981. A year has passed since the last debacle from when my mother took us all to see that movie. And a curious thing has happened. As I said before, you know, this was ni- this was 1980. First one came out in 1980. We had never heard of slasher movies before. There really wasn't any to speak of. It was a completely new genre for all of us kids. And it blew our minds and not in a good way. So now we hear tales of a, of part two coming out. And I remember all of us were just flabbergasted. We're like, why would there be a part two to that? That's just stupid. That first movie was so stupid. There was no plot. It was just people getting killed and it was just gore. And you couldn't even guess who the killer was. I don't want to see that. But you see, there was something else there as well. Because we had seen the original film, an R-rated film. In the days before everybody had VCRs and cable, you know, this was not accessible. This kind of stuff was not be, would not be accessible. Seeing this movie had given us a lot of schoolyard cred because I can't tell you how many times we were... I, personally, was asked to recount every gory detail, and I just remember that's pretty much all it was. Just going from one kill to the next kill to the next kill. Because, really, I didn't remember anything else because my jacket, my little orange sweatshirt, was over my face most of the movie. And the other half, I was crying. Remember? Yeah. So here's our dilemma. We have this somewhat moral opposition to such a horrible film coming out. All of us, all of us suddenly very prudent, you know, 11-year-olds, balanced against being the cool kids. And then, I know for me... I started to acknowledge that little stirring deep inside that said, you know what, I, st- I, st- I still want to see this. Part of me wants to see this. What's wrong with me? Had I known then what I know now, I would have known that was the birth pangs of becoming a s- true scream queen. And if I could send a message to my little 11-year-old self, I'd say, it gets better! Anyway, no matter how much we were opposed to the film, no matter how much we protested, oh, we're never going to see this... Oddly enough, all five of us wound up at the movie theater again, without my mother this time. She was no fool. We weren't telling her that we were going because, you know, we never heard the end of it, as it was. You know, from the other parents calling my mother, no, you can't hang around with that kid anymore. His mother is irresponsible. Bless her heart. (laughs) But now we got a couple of other stragglers. There were some even younger kids with us. I don't remember how we got in. I remember it was during the day, and it was fairly uncrowded. Now, you remember these? This was back in the days, Betty. I'm talking to you. (sighs) Remember these days when a movie theater showed one movie? There was no multiplexes. Maybe you get a duplex every now and then. But for the most part, you had one big theater showing one movie. So we were up in the balcony, which was also known as the smoking section. Remember that, Betty? Remember when you could smoke? Well, we couldn't smoke because we were like five, but you know what I'm talking about. And I, don't, I remember we were alone in the balcony. There might have been other people in the theater, but really, that's not important right now. The important thing was that we were there. And the other thing you guys have to realize, you newcomers to the series, all you bitches who showed up at part six and think you know what it's all about. Yeah, I'm talking to you. Jason's nobody at this point. He's not even a blip on the radar when we're going into this. So there's still an element of who done it to this. I know it's really hard to believe, like, well, who else would it be? It'd be Jason, maybe Ben. Well, you know what? You didn't know who the fuck it was in the first one. She just showed up in the last fucking reel. I'm sure they keep talking about Jason, but come on. Even an 11-year-old is not going to believe that some 
kid who drowned 30 years ago somehow survived in the woods on his own without anybody finding him. It's not like it's the fucking jungle, but apparently that's exactly what the studio wanted us to believe. But unfortunately, a lot of my memories from this are not as crystallized as they were in the first film. Camp crystallized? Camp Crystal Lake lies. No, I'm just, never forget it. Forget I said any of that. And I guess the specific memories, memories throughout this do kind of get fuzzy because, like the movies, they get repetitive. But here's a fun one. We had some youngins with us this time who hadn't seen the first film, but you know what? <laughs> Did it matter? No. I think it was one of those deals where somebody's like, well, if you're going out, you have to take your baby sister and your baby brother. Okay. If you say so. <laughs> And so I remember we had this kid, David, with us. David Gonzalez, if you're out there, bless your heart. He was a year younger than us, and there was the skinny dipping scene. This was a big deal. Granted, I have not had my aha, when I knew moment yet, but still, full-on nudity in a film was a big deal when you're 11. Because, you know, the hormones are just starting to jump and everything. Like, now, poor David Gonzalez apparently had never seen a fully naked woman before. And he didn't start crying at the gore. Or at the scary parts, he started crying at the naked lady. And he goes, what happened to her pee-pee? Why doesn't she have a pee-pee? And personally, I've been asking that question ever since. But, you know, that's my big memory of that day. The other thing I remember is, at the end, like, I don't know. Like I said, I watched most of the, I still had that same fucking orange sweatshirt. I still had my eyes covered for most of this movie. So... I remember when Jason jumped through the window at the end, we was like, who's that? And I remember we were thrown off because Jason had hair at that point, and it was red, and we're like, is that, is that Agent King? Is that Alice? No, it can't be Alice. She got all fucked up looking. She's definitely a man, but who is that? Well, it can't be Jason. I just did not, for some reason, register in our 11-year-old minds that it was the kid that they were talking about, even though we had that whole big scene with Jenny. Can I talk about Jenny? I was so excited, little me, in the movie theater to see Amy Steele in this movie because I had been a huge fan of The Powers of Matthew Starr, which was a terrible, terrible sci-fi channel, a sci-fi movie, no, sci-fi series about some teenager from outer space or some shit who had, you know, telekinetic powers or whatever, and she played his girlfriend. And I'm like, oh my goodness, I like her. I hope she doesn't die. So I remember being extra concerned about her the whole time. Little did I know I didn't need to be because Amy Steele, she's got some smarts. The other thing that was odd about this, well, not odd, but the other thing that was innocent about all of us, this was the first time any of us had seen a machete. You know, we're, we're suburban kids. You don't have a lot of need for a machete in Massapequa or Levittown or Spionk. We might in Spionk. No, it's just not something that Dad has in the garage. So I remember we were like, what is that? When, 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 when Mark got hit in the face with it and was rolling down the, down the thing, which, which, uh, which, there was lots of crying at that point. I remember people started to cry then. Not me. I'd become calloused already. But I was going, what is that thing? What is that thing? It's like a sword, but it's not a sword. Ah, the innocence of youth. Aside from that, I don't remember too much. I remember... Kids got in trouble. I didn't get in trouble this time. But, uh, you know, for taking the little ones to see this. And, you know, but mommy told me to take him with me. And there was nightmares and crying. And all of, the, all of a sudden, I was the king of the schoolyard once again. Or the queen. The queen to be. Holding court, recounting the tales of the massacre at Crystal Lake. So has anybody seen the uncut version of this? Is that what came out on Blu-ray? 
So I know there's like 45 seconds or whatever that was cut to avoid the X rating. I'd be curious to see it. If someone could tell me where to see it, if it's out there, I would be greatly appreciative. Uh, I've seen the uncut original version. I got it off of uh, eBay ages ago with Japanese subtitles. And that was pretty cool. Not worth the money I paid for it. But, you know, now you can see it on YouTube. But, you know... Back then, there wasn't any YouTube, goddammit. I don't know how we survived. It was like living on the prairie, for Christ's sake. You kids got it lucky these days. Some things that I think are interesting about this film. First of all, we have the classic slasher movie, Rules for Survival. This is another one that breaks the rules. The original broke the rules as well, because Alice smoked pot while they were playing Monopoly. And in this one, Amy Steele has sex. And not only does she have sex, she has sex during that time or at least i believe that's what's implied and ew beware of bears indeed and yes my love affair with amy Steele still continues i have always loved her i think she's a good you know for a horror genre actress she's damn good and i met her at one of the horror weekends as i was leaving and made a complete jackass of myself mr brad man at, we're driving away from the hotel and i was like oh my god what did i say I think I scared the poor woman. Well, first of all, I said, you know, I came up, I'm like, oh my gosh, I've been looking for you all weekend. She's like, uh-huh. And I'm like, for, I think I let off with, yeah, I've been a big fan of you. I think you're a great actress. You know, I've been a big fan ever since the powers of Matthew Starr. And her eyes just kind of went rolling back in her head. She's like, oh my God, be quiet. You're dating us both. And yet, I just kept rallying on. And I have this weird relationship with you, Amy Steele, because, you know, you always just seem to pop up in things, and I always, I never expected. And then I'm excited. Like, I remember um, after Friday the 13th, you were in the TV movie First Steps with Judd Hirsch, where you were playing the track runner who got paralyzed, and you had to learn how to walk again. Yeah, I was like, oh my God, it's Amy Steele. And then um, in April Fool's Day, I'm like, oh, it's Amy Steele. And then on Family Ties, when, when, when you were giving Alice P. Keaton the speed bills, I was like, oh, it's Amy Steele. And then when you were on American Gothic, I was like, oh, it's Amy Steele. And, but I did it all in one breath and probably at a million miles an hour. And then I think I finished it up with, smart chicks rule. And she was like, yeah. And Mr. Brad's like, come on, honey, we gotta go. So Amy Steele, if you're out there listening, I'm sorry. You're just that cool. I'm turning red now. It was very embarrassing. But, you know, now shared with the world, perhaps I can move on with my life. Either that or you're going to make t-shirts up about it. Like, Patrick made an ass of himself in front of Amy Steele and all I got was this shitty t-shirt. Well, fuck you all. Also, does anybody know, on the, uh, going back to the uncut version, do we ever find out what happened to Terry? Like, how Terry got killed? Terry, the, the skinny dipper, got killed? Because they never showed it in the film. And when you see her at the end, you know, when she's, like, stacked in the pile of the bodies around Mrs. Voorhees' head, there's not a mark on her. So, I'm like, did, did her brain just stop working on its own? Because uh, that actress, she seemed dumb. I mean, she, I'm sure she was a lovely girl, but she was a terrible actress. And on top of that, she just seemed dumb dumb i think it was pretty clear why she was cast in the film has anybody seen muffin i can't find muffin honey we've all seen your muffin <laughs> your muffin scared the shit out of david gonzalez put your muffin away and personally if i was her i would have killed whoever her hairstylist was on set because what was that it was like that weird bun thing that was on the side and, you know, it came out after she skinny dipped, but it was weird. It was just weird. I'm like, how is that working? It was a swoop and a, and a wacky. And I, it was, girl, I know it's the 80s, but that was never in style. I know it's not your fault, but clearly you pissed off the hairdresser and the special effects team, as far as I know. That girl was trouble. And actually, speaking of Muffin, I just, not her Muffin, well, you know, the dog Muffin. Speaking of the dog Muffin, 
Muffin kind of breaks my own rule there. The, the one I just introduced to you guys at the worst possible time. I introduced it to you just in time to break my own rule. The DAD principle. The dog always dies. And here the dog didn't die. Some dog died. I don't know. Some other stupid little barrette clippy fur dog that was just roaming around the forest. But not Muffin. Well, there you go. Terry may be gone, but her Muffin lives on. <laughs> didn't Celine Dion write a song about that? <laughs> and actually, I gotta just say quickly, that scene where Muffin comes back at the end, this is before Jason comes busting through the window, this is one of my favorite examples of a horror movie manipulation. Because you're like, oh, great, the dog's alive! And you listen to the soundtrack, and the music's like, it's over, the movie's over, you can relax now, the movie's over. Oh, I love that. The other person I want to talk about is Tom McBride. Tom McBride played Mark in the wheelchair. And I found out since, I think on one of the other gay blogs, maybe it was um, uh, Camp Blood or um, Kindly Undo These Straps or Big Gay Horror Fan. I'm not sure who had a little blurb about him. I did not know, first of all, that he was an openly gay actor at the time. Although part of me, I guess, did because I always had a fondness for Mark. He always made me go zing a little bit. He was different than the others. More sensitive. More understanding. Less lechy. He died of AIDS and I think it was 1993, but I did not know he was a big fashion model. He was a, 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 the Marlboro Man for a while, but he also documented his own death of AIDS. Um, it's a movie called Life and Death on the A-List. It's not in print anywhere. I've looked all over. If anybody has a copy of it or knows where I can see it, I would really like to see this film. It would mean a hell of a lot to me, this cause. I hate to be ending this on a downer, so I'm not going to. Let's see. Um... Oh, you know what? Here's another rule that they break in this film. There's a black guy in the film who doesn't die. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's those other counselors. And they all go out to the bar. They never have any lines. There's the black guy and there's an Asian girl. And I think there's a Spanish guy. So it was like all the minorities didn't get any lines, but they got to go to the bar and live. So ha! Another stereotype broken. Yeah, black guy can survive the horror movie, but you can't have any lines. You decide. You want to talk? You're going to die. And I think that's going to wrap this up for this edition of the Friday the 13th Extravagantula, which, much like the original, was not particularly extravagantula. But, you know what? Fuck you, it's my show. Enjoy the walk down memory lane with me. Because you ain't going to find shit like this on the motherfucking Prairie Home Companion. Quadris, 12 light years across the galaxy from Earth. It was home for us until an intergalactic armada conquered it. I fought by the royal family's side, but in vain. Even their remarkable powers weren't enough. The Crown Prince and I escaped to the nearest planet on which we could survive and further his powers in order to someday return to free his people. Here on Earth, the Prince is known as Matthew Starr. He's a typical American teenager. He has friends, people who love him, and me his guardian. I'm the only one who knows how special he is. Life for us is a series of joys and dangers 
for enemy assassins constantly come to destroy us. Alone, we must survive. Get ready, baby, for the Lombardi case, 1975. There's a psycho killer on the loose here with the big bad apple. But can you help catch this freak? The Lombardi case, 1975. It's an interactive murder mystery, y'all. It's gonna send you deep into the streets of Little Italy as you encounter all kinds of weirdos and freaks. Well, for more information or to buy tickets, you head on over to www.liveintheater.com or call 212-780-4787. Right on. Hey, Patrick. It's... Jay, <gasps> Damn it. I just wanted to uh, take a minute to call you. Ooh. I just finished listening to your most recent episode of Scream Queens. Mm-hmm. And uh, like you said, fuck that douchebag. Uh, no, thank you. you know, the guy doesn't know you. To give you a dirty look, it's 2011, really. I mean, one, the dude doesn't know that you're gay. For all he knows, you're just a friend consoling another friend. But even if he does, who cares? It's 2011, man. I mean, he probably has problems with interracial couples, too. And I'll tell you this. I'm a Christian. I go to church every week. Mm-hmm. And I don't judge people. You just, you can't, you can't do that, man. It, it, it's not my place. My place is to love people. And you are a yeah. wonderful person to me. You treat me awesomely. Mm-hmm. You and Brad both are my friends. So why would I ever look upon you guys with disdain in any way? And I know you guys. And I know you're gay. What? This guy doesn't know you from freaking ass. Who told you? Like you said, fuck him, man. He has no yeah, right yeah. to judge anybody on anything. I, I believe the quote uh, of the day will be, judge not, lest ye be judged yourself. So we judge you, asshole. And when my dog dies, may his ghost come back and bite you in the ass. There you go. Uh, I will Aww. real quick do a Scream 4. I went and saw it. I enjoyed oh, it. Oh, um, yes. Didn't like it as much as you, but I did movies? like it. Uh, in the end, if I can leave a movie and I'm entertained, that's what really counts. Yes. And I was definitely entertained when I left Scream 4. Um, definitely better than the third one. I'm not, I, there oh, were please. things of the third one that I enjoyed, um, but overall, I thought the movie kind of sucked. Yeah, I did, I did like too. the Woodsboro set. In the, in the movie, within the movie, and the scenes yeah. where, where Sydney is back on the set, kind of creeping around. Well, that was kind of cool. Good idea. Yeah, but they needed uh, more of that. Poorly executed, I thought. Um, but I will say that, I, you know, there were issues I had with Scream 4. Like, namely, Dewey is not all crippled in this one. Uh, they never really explained why that is. You're Those right. stupid little things. I thought some of Kevin Williamson's well, the physical dialogue, therapy. as far as what he thought teenagers would sound like, wasn't overly accurate but that's okay he's far removed from it too and we can get over that uh, all in all entertaining I enjoyed definitely certain aspects of it quite a bit mm-hmm. um, I like Panettiere in it I thought well I like I like her in general I mean all we really know her from is Heroes Heroes and uh, Bring It On Part 16 where she crumps I yeah, love that, that you know that you're um, but you know I, I, thought, Queen. I thought she had promise and I thought she really got to display that promise and in this movie, you know, got to display her ability. Let's face it, and bring it on and heroes. <laughs> yeah, you're not going to get to do that. Uh, but yeah, I recommend people going to see it. Uh, it was good. It was a scream movie, you know, overall. Oh, and good lord, Courtney Cox, she was scarier than Ghostface. What the Thank you. fuck, woman? Why? Still not as scary as I mean, she was in part three. You're a girl. You're yanking your face off. Disgusting. <laughs> Don't do it. Anyway, well, that's it. 
sir. I will let you go. Uh, again, hope everything's going better for you guys. We miss you, man. I, I you know, Horror Hound, I get to see you guys at Horror Hound, and but there's so much going on and so many people at Horror Hound. I it's feel like, like I never minutes. get to spend enough time talking to the people I want to talk to, and you definitely fall amongst those people. You're one of my favorite people in the world, man. I, I love you guys, and we miss you already, and we can't wait to get to see you again soon. Mm. Keep up the show forever because it's awesome, and uh, that's about all I got, man. We will definitely be talking to you soon. All right, guys. Stay awesome. Fabulous. Bye. Jay Ahmed from the Obscure 80s Podcast as well as Wrecking Crew Radio. Thank you so much for calling. That was a really sweet call. I liked all of that. I didn't even mind that it was long. I'm not even going to make fun of you about that because it was all coming from the heart. Now, for those of you who are unfortunate enough not to know Jay Ahmed, he has, um, he does have a really big heart. And he's one of the sweetest guys, really giving guy, and, um, doesn't put out a lot of shit, if you know what I mean. So, it's usually a drama-free zone around him until, well, Stewie shows up, and then it's, it's, it's not so much drama as much as softcore porn, but, you know, that's okay. I love that. And, yeah, about that douchebag, uh, you know, that whole judge not lest you be judged thing is true, and this guy is going to be judged. He's going to be judged by everyone who sees him because he was one of those guys who was wearing a tank top that was like four. He was a larger fellow, and it was two, ten sizes too small. So, like, the bottom of his belly was, like, hanging way out from behind the bottom of the T-shirt. And it's just, there's got to be a name for that. I don't know what it is. I actually don't want to know what the name of it is because then I'm going to be seeing it everywhere. But that's what he had. He's already been punished. Also, Jay, I really appreciate you calling in because... Basically, it sounds like you're in a diving bell, so you must be on some undersea adventure when you're calling me. So the, the, the rates must be really expensive, and that is so sweet of you. And you're right. Dewey was pretty fucking crippled. He had a cane and a limp, and with those kind of injuries, I'm not sure if he could ever become sheriff. But, you know, like I said, a lot can happen with stem cell research and physical therapy. And if he had half as much surgery as his wife did, miracles can happen. Jay Emmett, you are a good friend. I hope to see you in Cincinnati in October. Brad doesn't want to go. I'm going to try to make him go or go without him. I probably shouldn't be saying this on the show. Next call. Hey, Patrick. It's Chris from 42nd Street. I just wanted hey, to wish you a that very really happy high. birthday. Hope you're having a great time. Hey, Aww. listen to the show and screw that guy who was giving you the dirty looks. You should have yeah. just punched him in the face. Because I was the there, I sure as hell would have. Anyway, hope you're having a good night and talk to you soon. Okay. Thank you for the birthday salutations, Chris. And Chris is from the 42nd Street Forever podcast. Sorry, the 40 Street Trek, the 42nd Street Drive-In podcast. I do that every time, God damn it. I'm sorry I can't remember the name of your damn podcast, but it's really hard when you don't put out any damn episodes. It's only been like six months since episode eight, even though I laid down two amazing tracks with you guys like, I don't know, what, six weeks ago? And have I seen them? Have I heard them? No, I haven't. But that's okay because I have come to realize that Chris is a lying cunt face. I say that with love. We're very close. We're like sisters. He's a lying cunt face. But you probably already know that already from that song that was on the radio last summer that goes, Chris is a lying cunt face. Oh, yeah. Chris is a lying cunt face. Oh, yeah. You know that one. I don't know. It was like Fergie or some shit. Hey, Patrick, you sexy bitch. Trash phone. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I yeah, am I a sexy you, you bitch. Your whole spiel about new caller. I called once before, but there's no way you remember it. So yeah, fine, trash. Then anyway, I won't. Uh, yeah. I did my homework. I know I've been last in the last uh, few, but I did this one, and I saw Freed. 
Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, I don't know. Uh, we were absolutely right. First five minutes blew my mind. Mm-hmm. The whole middle hour and a half was whatever. Halloween light, basically. Yeah. And the last 50 minutes was completely fried all my synapses. <laughs> but uh, anyway, the, uh, effect, the, the first uh, uh, death effect with uh, the mother. Yeah. It was very, very reminiscent of the uh, same kind of death in uh, Irreversible with the uh, oh, fire extinguisher. Yeah. Yeah, I didn't get through Brutal, that. Brutal, unending head drama kind of thing. No, I didn't get through Irreversible. That was uh, definitely interesting. And then the whole middle part, like, where basically it's the, he's Michael Myers. And, oh, if you, by the way, the first ten minutes, if you don't know exactly who the killer is, you have not watched any other horror movies. Well, yeah, 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 so, yeah that is absolutely yeah. true. And uh, the clown killer looks cool. Uh, again, very reminiscent of other, you, you know, uh, Michael Myers and his clown imagery. Same uh, spiel there. But yeah, uh, pretty uh, run of the mill until you get to that ending. Uh huh. The whole I don't want to give it away because it's definitely worth seeing because it will blow your mind. But the whole thing with the is freaking amazing. Ah! You ain't <laughs> shut up, Dodge. I Shut up. Check it out for the last few minutes and nothing else. And uh, all right, well, the last... later. Bye. Well, Mr. Trash. Um. I certainly won't forget you after this call because you're the guy that made me have to go back all the way in and edit in a goddamn beep sound because you can't keep your mouth shut about twist endings. Oh, my God. Woo. Loose lips make your uterus fall out or something. Shameful, shameful. You know what? It's a good thing you scored points earlier on by calling me a sexy bitch because after all... sexy bitches are my favorite kind of bitches. sexy bitches are my favorite kind of bitches. And who can argue that? I have to disagree with you to just watch the last 15 minutes because there's a reason I made you guys watch the whole thing. You can watch the last 15 minutes, but I don't think it would make any sense. It doesn't mean anything. I mean, you have to have that whole investment in everything. The emotional attachments to all these people to really grab onto what's happening there. And um, But yeah, the, the middle part is really quite shit. There's really nothing spectacular about any of that at all. And I don't, re- I can't imagine that they thought that that twist about the killer that's really obvious was a twist. Because I'm going, really, if this is the big, this, this is it, really. I'm not supposed to get this. This is really obvious. This is so freaking obvious. They've made this so totally obvious that I think there was a reason why it was so obvious. Aha! But it was irritating me, and it was taking me out of the film. So I'm like, I'm so much smarter than everybody else in this movie. Which, granted, happens all the time because I'm a fucking genius. Even though I couldn't make it through Irreversible, I tried. But the camera work at the beginning was getting me seasick. Because the camera just kept rolling and rolling and rolling and zooming and zooming and rolling. And I was, I'm going to heave. I am one of these people. I can sit through all... I bitched on the show about people who complain about the um, uh, uh, found footage movies. They're all like, oh, man, I get so seasick from them. Oh, oh, I needed my Dramamine. And I always say, suck my cunt. Thank you, Allison and Wacky, but suck my cunt. But with Irreversible, I was the cunt sucker. Everyone talks about the violence in it and the, the rape and the extended fire extinguisher scene. I have no idea what you're talking about because I hurled in the first 10 minutes. There, I said it. There. Anyway, thank you for calling in, Trash. I'm glad you enjoyed your homework. And uh, by all means, don't wait so long to call back. Mama worries about her babies. And you're all my babies. And you are all my children now.
Hey, Patrick, it's the Zombard calling you. The Zombard. Um, <laughs> I just heard you said you had a 31-minute uh, review. Someone called in. So here's my 32-minute review. I can't lose my title of Long and Dull, or at least not long. Yeah. Uh-huh. Well, um, yeah. Anyway, I'm not really going to talk that long. Totally not. I just wanted to call in and talk about Tucker and Dale versus Evil. Uh, yes. The movie we saw together, Horror Hound Weekend. Perfect. Uh, you spoke to it briefly. Um, I just wanted to jump in and say I also thought it was a good movie. Um, it wasn't as good. I don't think I was as sold as you were on it or some. I mean, it's getting some really good press. and it's a Honey, movie. I was drunk. It really is. I personally don't think it'll hold up to repeat viewings. I don't think it's going to go down as a classic. But it's one of those ones that I saw and said, oh, there's some good jokes and it was cute. Oh, it was a fun time kind of thing. Uh-huh. Um, more of a rental than a buy for me. Okay. So, two guys in it. They have, uh, oh, God, I'm completely blanking on the names. Uh, uh, the guy from Firefly. Alan Tudyk. He kind of played the straight man in it. Um, he wasn't crazy about what he did, but the other guy. Um, Taylor the guy Labine. The Reaper, and now he's in Mad Love. And I don't Taylor know, Labine. He's the guy with the big beard and the crazy Taylor hair. Labine! I God. pretty much love him in everything. Everything he's been in lately. He's been hilarious and funny. Yeah, he's a funny and I guy. I think he's someone to watch. Uh, Naked when he's showering. He's, he's done nothing but impress me. Uh-huh. On everything so far. If you haven't watched the TV show Reaper, they canceled it because they had no vision. But go back and watch it. It's actually a really good show. Yeah, I, it was. I it was fun. It on and, uh, it ended, it's one of those shows that ended on a cliffhanger just to oh, really piss you off. Hate that. I think he's like, uh, oh well. Uh, but that that's that movie. I'm not going to give any kind of thing about the plot because you already kind of covered it. Thank you. Um, but I, the main reason I'm calling is I just watched Black Death tonight. Uh, Black Death is a movie with Sean Bean of uh, mm-hmm. Lord of the Rings fame, amongst other things. And I'm, I'm purposely not going to tell you anything about it, really. Um, no details, no characters. Um, I'm not going to tell you where it goes because it's still new. They haven't got the one release yet. But you're still going to talk I for 17 minutes. I did enjoy it. I okay. it was good. I heard another podcast mention it, so I kind of looked into finding it. And, yeah, it, it's worth seeing. And it, it's one of those um, – well, here's the one line for those who have no idea what the hell I'm talking about. And this is like – this is like something you'll have on the, like the back of the box. Imagine um, – it's about the plague, the bubonic plague, uh-huh. and th- tie that into uh, kind of a religious thing. And it's kind of it's done realistically, the way um, people would have reacted in the time. It said everyone around you is dying. Of course, you're going to blame. Oh, this is God what? hating us. This is this mm-hmm. other thing going on. Witches. And I mean the main lesbians. I guess. Just of the story, without saying anything, um, it's actually not even totally true, the gist that I heard. But it's kind of like, imagine if you had a group of people that had, were blaming uh, witchcraft for the plague, and they were going around and kind of tying in the Salem witch trial type stuff uh-huh. into trying to counter the plague through you uh, know, good I'm sure it happened. God type stuff. It, it, that's kind of the concept behind it. And it goes it goes into weird deep levels, and um, I won't tell you anything else about it. And yeah, you don't have to la 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 me out because 
I really didn't tell you anything about it. La, 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 It's fun, though. But yeah, it's that, it's that kind of thing. It's very gritty. Um, it's so is very your butt. gruesome. Um, so is your lots butt. Lots of dead bodies. Lots of good killings. Lots of good fighting. Um, some pretty intense moments. There's, uh, there's well, there's, there's another movie that came out that I would compare it to. But if I told you what it was, it might give us a too much of a... Yeah, don't do it. That's the Brother D move. Yeah, thank you. We'll talk about it a little bit. But it's a, it's a good kind of a counterpoint to some other things. I'll okay. Say that. We'll talk about it um, another time. I think one of the things you want to watch in it is it's very... There isn't a lot of happiness here. Uh, it doesn't I, sound I mean, like it. That's kind of what I heard going in, saying, "Oh, it's a very you know sullen movie, and no, you're not going to leave feeling good." And yeah, I always stand by it. It's kind of, um, I had the same same kind of feeling as after just watching The Road. I know that was a movie that came out of post apocalyptic <laughs> movie back in the day. I thought you said The Rose um, for a second. <laughs> but it, it left me with that kind of feeling. It's just it's kind of like an utter uh, despair type kind of thing over. It's, you know, and it could also almost be seen as post-apocalyptic. I don't know, I had to ask Ms. Brent on that one over at Mail Order Zombie. Because, you know, we know that people came through the other side of the bonnet yeah. plague and lived, but at the time... You know, you know what? Shut up. Time. Shut up. I hate this yeah. argument. Shut up. Save it for Mail Order Zombie. Yeah, it basically follows the trope of post-apocalyptic type <sighs> actions on these people. So, but no, no, it's, uh, it's really good. Seek it out. Try to find it. Um, I would say, oh, what else do I want to say about this? Uh, maybe I'm going to hit that 32-minute mark. I will say I didn't notice any uh, computer graphics. It looked like all the effects were real. All the effects uh-huh. were gruesome. There was lots okay. of juice in this one. And the pulley, the sound effects and everything were really good. Even things that happened off camera, like, uh-huh. like bones and breaking and next snapping and it was like ugh. it was really good and stomach turning so yeah uh, that's it I would give it a uh, I'd probably give it a B plus I'd probably need to watch it again to solidify my thing but yeah I was very very happy to see it and much better than Thor which I just saw right beforehand yeah, I'm still Thor, Thor from Thor uh, it was um, but that's it I'll talk to you later toodles bye and happy birthday to both you and Mr. Brad, uh, two of my favorite people, and hopefully I'll be in New York soon to see you. Um, oh, because I need to see uh, Book of Mormon now. That I know that's nominated for everything. Oh my god! Yeah, get it now. And will the Tonys actually let them do something uncensored? I don't know. Oh my god! Anyway, that's it. Put you later. Toodles. Bye. Okay, Zombart, thank you so much for calling in, as always. Um, yes, Zombart mentioned I had a 31-minute voicemail. And the person called back for another 10 minutes. But he's not wrong. I got a shit ton of voicemail for this show. Even more than last week. I can't physically possible, can't physically possibly get through all of it in this show. I didn't expect... All, when I gave out homework, I didn't expect anybody to actually do it in the first place. And now that I've bullied you into doing it, thank you, Betty and Durwood. You're all doing it now, and that's great. I'm glad you're responding. But eh, I wouldn't have to change the rules on this. Mr. Brad has actually altered the voicemail system now that you can't leave a call longer than five minutes. I don't know how I feel about that yet, but that's what we're doing for now. If I don't get to your call this week, I'm going to do my best to get to it next week. I can't do the 31-minute phone call and then another 10 minutes. That's just 
way too much. I'm sorry. I'm glad. No person who left the message, I really appreciate your enthusiasm, but uh, I got bandwidth issues to deal with here. Anyway, moving along. Black Death is what he's recommending. Black Death, I saw the trailers for. It was uh, running in a couple of art house theaters here, and it did look pretty cool. I didn't get to see it, but it's, if I'm not mistaken, it's still on pay-per-view, at least with Time Warner Cable. So if you're interested, go check it out. If you want to see some medieval plague witch burning mania, go, go, go take a look at that. It sounds pretty cool. And yes, thank you for my birthday wishes. Yeah, our birthday was really not that great. See, remember how I was talking about earlier how I got the crap kicked out of me? That was the day before my birthday. And literally after that, everything just started to skid. I had the reverse Mor uh, Mormon touch, the reverse Midas touch for the next 36 hours. Because, you know, after I got beaten up, I was supposed to go home. Mr. Brad and I had plans for the birthday. And I got home and realized that he had forgotten about the plans and didn't make the arrangements for the plans. So I wound up not doing anything. That was, that was okay. I understood. He was busy. But then the next day, just literally, I said, okay, well, I could spend the day working on the show. And then, poof, our cable modem fried. And he called Time Warner and like, well, we can have a guy down there on Friday, it's now Sunday, to check this out. Or you could come down and wait in line in this horrible store. So we went down to the horrible store, and there was traffic, and the mall was crowded, and we got lost. Not, I mean, separated from each other in this gigantic mall, and it was just... The whole day was like this. Just everything I tried imploded in my face. But, you know, at the end of the day, we had cake. Mr. Brad made me a cake. And I turned to Mr. Brad. Maybe this wasn't the best birthday for either one of us. But I know, at least on my end, I had great company. Aw, we're so cute. And I'm not surprised you had a better review of Tucker and Dale vs. Evil than I did. Because I was shit-faced by that point. I was shit-faced. I was in a really bad mood. You know, because some of the, you know what was going on at Harham Weekend that day. And so Patrick compensated with alcohol. So I could have been watching, you know, I don't know, colored blobs flicker on the screen. I would have been like, ah, 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 it's awesome. <sighs> yeah. But I liked it. I'm sticking with it. And the Book of Mormon, yes, come get your tickets. Get them now. I can't get, no, I can't get, I can't get my secret price tickets for things anymore. It's that popular. However, they're doing lottery tickets like they did for rent. You know, you get a chance to, you know, you, you put your name in before every show and you might get a $20 ticket. I'm going to keep trying to do that. But, sir, let me know when you're coming. If I haven't gotten free tickets by then, I'll shell out. I'll shell out for the full price ones to go see it with you because everything's better with a Zombard. Well, I don't know about everything. Well, I, I know one thing that's not. Well, maybe two things. But you know what I'm saying. Thank you for calling in, Zombard. I love you. Next call, please. Hey, Patrick, this is Trey. We've talked hey, on Facebook. I'm a new listener. <gasps> Yay! Uh, I love the podcast. It's great. Oh. And I'm listening, you know, make my way through some of your back, back episodes. And you're making your way I, through my back? I, I want to do some homework, but I haven't Ooh. listened or seen any of the movies you're talking about. So I figured oh. I'd call in and talk a little bit about Scream 4. Okay. Um, yeah. I like it. I like the Scream series enough. My expectations for Part 4 were pretty low. I kind of want to yeah, talk well, about why. Me too did so bad at box office, and I was thinking about it, and I was thinking, you know, writing a Scream movie's got to be a pain in the ass, because any other okay. horror movie, like Friday the 13th or Final Destination, once you get the first movie going, you got the killer, and you got the premise set up. But yeah. Scream movie's kind of different. It's like the Saw movie, because each yeah, you have to think got to it. kind of drag out the storyline and find another reason for someone else to kill Sydney and why they want to do it. And I like the whodunit aspect of it. It's cool, but... Uh -huh. The motivation parts gets kind of stupid. Like, yeah, you got stupid the first mother scream, stuff. Which was great. 
Billy Loomis is the killer. It's all because Sidney's mom was a slut. Scream 2 comes along, and the killer is Billy's mom out for revenge, which is really cool. Would have been better if maybe she popped up more than three times before they showed her the killer, but whatever. Yeah. And Scream 3, you got Sidney's half-brother who orchestrated the whole thing because that was he's stupid. mad because he showed himself to Sidney's mom and she didn't like him. Boo-hoo-hoo. In Scream 4, I don't want to say anything about it other than, actually, I like the killer. Mm-hmm. I like the motivation. But there was no plot going on. You know, and it, it was just there to kill people off. And I'm thinking, for Scream 5, what are you going to do? I mean, you can have a new killer. Space. It's like... Go to space. have to tie in to something in Scream 1, and it's just dragging out this long, convoluted story. Scream in the hood. And maybe that's why it's about the box office, because it's starting to be like the Saw series, where it's not, each movie isn't an, an individual story, it's a serial, and the yeah. storyline gets kind of stupider each time the you write it out. Diminishing returns. Which is a shame, because if they do a Scream 5, either do a whole new set of people, or, or put it in space. Spoiler alert, a little bit for part four. Have or the hood. Just Gail Weathers. Have someone else be a killer, and Gail starts investigating it, and don't have it tie into anything with Sidney Prescott, because once you see Nev Campbell scrunch her face up and touch the back of her neck, and when she gets a weird call, I don't want to see that anymore. Or just reboot it. I hate the reboot process, but you know, eh. Scream, the story's been told. Reboot with dignity. a whole new set of characters, a whole new motivation, and a whole new reason for someone to want to kill someone for three damn movies. Yes. Which is a shame that Scream 4 didn't do better, because I liked it. Me it wasn't too. too terrible, but I think it's, it's pretty much dead. Anyway, that's my thoughts on Scream 4. I think it's turning into the Saw series, where they're dragging out a story long when, you know, they should kill it out. I will slap you. Have a new killer, a new reason to go killing people. Anyway, love you. Love your podcast. You're great. You know, give me some more homework assignments. I'll be calling in. Talk okay. to you later. Bye. Yay. Well, thank you for calling in, Mr. Trey. It was delight to, to get to see you, hear you, meet you, converse with you in this particular forum. Yeah, I agree with a lot of what you said about the Scream stuff. Um, Sydney's mom, that was tired really quick. Like, after the first, like the second one was pushing it, but by the third one, I'm like, move on. How good a lay was she? And you're also right about Jackie from Roseanne in Part 2. The thing was, when she popped up the first time, I was like, wow, what a great cameo. Then she popped up again. Then she popped up again. Then she popped up again. And I said, she's not a side character. She must be involved. So I, it was the tip-off that she was going to be one of the killers. Also, I'm, I'm intrigued by your theories of, about why Scream didn't go, do well at the box office. And you're probably right. The, the R rating didn't help either because, you know, everything's about PG-13 these days. And I think there's something to be said for it. But, however, do not, please, please, please do not make the Scream Saw comparison because that will get Zombart calling in and he'll be talking for three hours and he'll be totally wrong about everything that he says and he'll get me angry and I'm not pretty when I'm angry. I'm not pretty when I'm not angry, but that's not the point either. And it's funny you talk about taking the Scream series in a whole other direction because I think it was after I saw Scream 3 and was incredibly disappointed. I went back home with whoever I saw it with, and, you know, we started having a conversation, and there might have been um, <clears throat> Reefer involved, and I had a, my idea for part three. Now, here it is. I don't think I've ever said this out loud before, so bear with me, kids. Okay, gather around. Story time. Now, you take that whole Hollywood premise that they had. I like that. That I like, that they're still making the movies and whatever, and everybody's become successful in their own right off of this whole horrible experience that they had. And in my mind, he's not even wearing the ghost face. It's just nothing. There's no phone calls. It's something else. But his whole motivation is that this killer loves Sydney, like psycho loves Sydney, 
and is really, really angry at all these people that are making money off of her suffering and they should pay for what they're continuing to put her through by making her drag this stuff up day after day after day. She's living in the woods with a dog. Meanwhile, the rest of you are living the high life in Malibu. So she's never in danger. She might be still getting some kind of calls or notes just like just telling her, I'm going to kill this one, I'm going to kill that one. Maybe something like that. That's what I would have gone with. Would have been a hell of a lot better than this stupid box that can you know, mimic anybody's voice, which, by the way, is technologically impossible because not only did it mimic their voice, but it mimicked their speech patterns and their, their idiosyncrasies. Never going to happen. Never going to happen. Bullshit, Extremo. But thank you for calling in, Trey. This was a great first call. I think this is the beginning of a beautiful friendship. Hey, Patrick. This is Spooky Bill, the spookiest Bill you know. Hey, uh, first-time listener, first-time caller. I, uh... Finally, you know, got around to downloading your show, and uh, mm-hmm. and uh, I gotta say, I really love it. I think uh, I think you. it's great. Um, I listened to the the Scream Four Absentia episode. Uh-huh. And, uh huh. And well, I, I was at Horror Hound with you, and uh, I did get to see Absentia, and I don't have as much love for it as you do. Um, well, fuck you, bye. I, Thanks I just, for calling. Click. I don't think it was. I don't think it was all that great. So I thought some of the sound cues were were off or, or even missing. Um, maybe it was the fact that I just couldn't hear it, but I, it just it no, didn't seem to flow good. well as far as that goes. And and there were some scenes, um, you know, when she first starts seeing her dead husband, um, or we start seeing him. I don't know if she's seen him yet, but there's one spot. He's in the closet with this goofy-ass expression on his face. Um, it, it just, I just burst out laughing because it just looked like he was like, Peekaboo, and you know it just didn't seem to work for me. Um, yeah, another thing that I I really didn't like was the fact that it just kept going back and forth. Or you know, or is it this, or is it you know, is it this, or did it really happen, or didn't it? it I thought I just did that too many times, and you know, as a, more on a personal level, I just didn't you know care okay. for that. It's all right a little bit, but just seemed to to drag on as far as that goes. Scream four, loved it. Um, I don't even remember Scream 3, to be completely honest with you. You're better off which, that way. Which uh, is, is probably a good thing. But, uh-huh. yeah, Scream 4 loved it. They filmed, actually, part of it. The opening scene with the fountain and everything was just right up the road here. Um, you know, you're Mr. Fancy Smancy movie guy, but, uh, you know, around these parts, it's uh, kind of something cool and, 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 and big and neat. And it's kind of weird to see, you know, this uh, this town, this town, um, on the TV. It's a little distracting at the same time, too. You're oh, yeah. Picking I out scenery. Um, but, yeah, I, I thought it was great. And you're absolutely right about Neff Campbell. I don't know what her Egyptian secret is. Maybe she, you know, <laughs> used based in the blood of virgins or something. I don't know. But, uh, yeah, that's really all I wanted to say. I, I really enjoyed your show. And yet, I, I didn't download it before, frankly, because, well, I have a couple two-year-olds, and, and you do swear quite a bit. Um, Me? Honestly... I think you swear more in your voicemails, or maybe it's the same amount of time. Uh, uh, swearing is just compressed into a short amount of time. No, I swear um, more. I don't know, voicemails. but I definitely will be listening in my car when the girls are not present. And uh, yeah, you definitely got a new listener. I, I love the show, and, and excellent. That's Yay! really the main reason I wanted to call, is just to uh, verbally fillet you. Um, what? Yeah, um, that's it. I will hopefully oh my be God. calling you later. I don't have Netflix anymore. Oh my God! Um, at least what? temporarily, so I won't be doing homework right away. 
but I <sighs> hope to be the teacher's pet pretty soon <sighs> when I get it back. Well, out. If you keep filleting me, you're going to be. Bye. Holy crap. Okay, did everybody just hear that? That actually happened. Mrs. Spooky Bill calls in, oh, oh, I'm really concerned about my two-year-olds listening to your show, and then he's verbally filleting me in front of them. Ooh, what a dichotomous person you are, Spooky Bill. And I'm sorry he didn't like uh, Absentia as much as I did, but we're going to agree to disagree on this one. Uh, I could see, I said at the time when I reviewed it that it's not for everybody. If you're not in the mood for it, you're not going to like it. And uh, the viewing situation at Horror Hound Weekend is never particularly ideal. There's always sound problems. You're straining to hear, and sometimes you're watching stuff on little teeny tiny televisions. But I liked it, and that's all that matters. No, I'm just kidding. No, I'm not. Yeah, yeah, no, no, of course I am. Of course I'm kidding. A little bit. Just shut up! God. Now, Spooky Bill, you might know from his podcast, which is called Pathophysiology of the Living Dead. Yeah, I know, that's a mouthful, but you can also just call it P-O-T-L-D, like the cool people do. Uh, if you haven't checked it out, go check it out over in the iTunes store. It's it's hard to describe, but it's, 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 it's um, well, it's all about the science of zombies. You know what? Just check it out for your own self. I can't describe it. I'm not going to try to describe it because I'll do a bad job. I can barely spell the fucking thing. But there'll be a link in the friends section of the show. Like I said, I can barely spell it. But, you know, what can I say? It's a mouthful. Which is, I think, what you would be saying, Spooky Bill, while you got my verbal dick in your mouth. What the fuck do you mean I curse too much? What the fuck do you mean, you content piss fuck? Yeah, I curse more on other people's podcasts because you know why I'm trying to ruin their show? I'm just peppering mine to spice it up. Yeah, spicing it up with just a dash of piss cunt and a sprinkling of dick dribbles. Gross. Okay, moving along. Blah, blah, blah. Thank you for calling. You might play it on the show? From all the bitching you do on Facebook about having getting mountains of email that you need to finish the goddamn show, you better fucking play it on the goddamn show. Hi, Vaughn. Fucking motherfucker. Christ. That's me. How are you, Patrick? It's Vaughn. I figured. Uh, sitting here in this nice, dreary, rainy fucking day. Ugh, I know, oh, right? Mother of God. You go from absolutely sweet outside, you know, able to take a nice walk to fucking torrential downpour. Uh-huh. Bullshit. Apocalypse. Anyway, um, last couple shows have been pretty good. Uh, I like how you talked about Easter Bunny Kill Kill. Fucking awesome mm-hmm. movie. So it's the other movie that Chad Farron did before this. Someone's knocking at the door. Great fucking film. Yeah, yeah. Never seen the Uninvited, but definitely will keep it in the back of my head when it's on TCM again. You'll hate it. Uh, like Ray Lamont. Um, I like, uh, what the fuck are those other films he's been in? He's been in like a... Uh, Dial in for murder. This is the incredibly strange two-headed transplant. Oh, I'm fuck, yeah, that's right. taking on the fucking right name in the movie. Panic of Year that's Zero. That's a pretty awesome movie that he directed and was in. Uh... Fucking overrun, decent fucking actor. Sounded like a decent fucking film. Uh, now I gotta look. Cause I'm a cunt face. What can I tell you? Oh my god. I know a lot of people in the how to use that word. I love you for it. Oh my god. Zombark. Alright, I can't find it, but it's probably the same fucking movie I'm talking about. Who the fuck knows? Suck balls. He's in Frogs. That's that's what I remember oh, from too. Fucking Frogs. Fucking awesome. <laughs> fucking stupid movie. Um, what the fuck else? Um, I don't know. Yeah, this show that you do is eight times better than ninety percent of the shows I listen to, including Thank those you. assholes at um Forty Second Street Drive-In who fucking oh, take forever to fucking post podcasts. No shit. You work with them and you battle and you fucking you make sure to get everything right. What do they do? Take a month to fucking post a podcast. Put a bunch of cunts. If that. 
Ah, I know I'm saying that word way too much, and I, I do apologize to any female equation that particularly finds that word offensive, but um, you should get over it. I will it. censor you! It really isn't that bad. Um, it's your nether region. I mean, I, can call, I could call you stinky, stinky death hole that uh, the baby pops out from once in a while, but I'm not Wow. Gonna, you ever smell down there every once in a while? Wow. I know you probably haven't, Patrick, in a, in a long time, but... Uh, no, not since I came out of one, thank you. like an old, like... You ever, you ever pull a, like a box of food out of like the fridge? I hate pop you. Pop it open. It's been in there for a long time. It's I hate you. That's what sometimes the cooch stinks like. Just, <laughs> but um, anyway, keep up the good work, Patrick. I really Thank like you. the show, and I hope you can get back to a kind of a normal, um, continuing uh, saga of shows. I know you're a busy man. I'm trying. And everything like that. And I'm very happy to hear that your cat's doing better. Um, Thank you. My uh, my little darling here. Uh, this dog ever got into any kind of serious uh, problems, we'd have a fucking connection going on. Yeah, you know, it, it is kids and whatnot. And I guess I guess a weird way. Who the fuck? Knows? Yeah, I don't know. But that's what I said. That the cat's fine. So that's all I have to say. Go fuck yourself. Twice on Hi. Sundays, bitch. Don't you buy me? He just stole my buy. <gasps> Girl. Thank you for calling in, Vaughn. Vaughn is, of course, from the Motion Picture Massacre podcast, which is another one-man podcast that doesn't suck. We're rare, aren't we, Vaughn? Yes, we are. I just want to say, Spooky Bill, I curse too much on my show. I curse too much on my show. That last call was so dripping with cunts and coochies and smells, and I don't even know what else to say. My God! I'd say your two-year-olds are much better off listening to me than listening to Motion Picture Massacre. So, there. Scream Queens, it's good for kids. Anyway, um, what the fuck did you call about? You just, like, called and you, um, uh, um, uh, um, uh. I, I don't know what I didn't cover that I didn't, like, ejaculate out during your... And I'm saying ejaculate in the old way. It means to exclaim, not I sprayed sperm all over the place, which I did a little bit. Well, it was more of a dribble, but that's not the point right now. And by the way, I've been meaning to call your show just because I realized that since we clearly both have the same cable company, we are clearly getting a lot of the same movies on the DVR at the same time. You just get to them a lot faster than I do because you tend to review things and then I review them and then I don't realize that you've already done them and then I feel stupid and I can hear you like yeah you should you fucking queen yeah I know I know like when I did road games I found out you did it like the week before but here's the thing I listened to your show that particular episode I skipped because as it showed up on my iPod the t- since you don't put the fucking movie titles in the name of your show all I saw was Q hyphen U hyphen I hyphen D hyphen dot dot dot. I thought you were doing a show about fucking Harry Potter playing fucking Quidditch. Because I know deep down inside you love that shit. I know you do. You want to stick it up Hermione's pooper. I know you. I love it. Oh, by the way, Mr. Brad has the same phobia of going to the movies now that your wife does about the whole bed bug epidemic. And I'll tell you what he told me. That those theaters uh, that were affected, they redid their seats with leather because apparently bed bugs can't infest leather. I don't know if that's going to help. But damn it, I'm trying. Thank you for calling in, Vaughn. Cranky bitch. Okay, you know what? When the show has devolved into discussing coochie smells and Hermione's pooper and Lord knows what other kinds of obscenity, it is time to wrap this puppy up. But before I go, I did want to just say I just got some late-breaking news. This guy that I'm in the chorus with has needed a kidney for years now. He's been on the waiting list, and then out of the blue, it's been announced this other guy in the chorus, my buddy Alan Anderson, is a match, and he's going to be donating his kidney to this other guy. I think it's amazing. He's going into surgery on Thursday, and it'll all be done by Friday, and I am speechless 
with this man's generosity. So, Alan Anderson, you are the scream queen of the fucking millennium. Way to go, Alan Anderson. That is an amazing thing. You know, it's good works like that that might actually prevent the apocalypse from coming. But in case it doesn't, there's no homework for next week, guys. Go out, have a great old time. Get some good sinning in before... Synonyms? Get some good sinning in before... <laughs> before the quakes hit. Actually, you know what? I lied. There is a homework assignment. You know what? No, I didn't lie. I changed my mind. Because what's the first thing I taught you people? That's right. A queen has the right to change his mind. And I just changed mine. I got a message today from my friend Peaches Christ. You know Peaches Christ. Talked about her way back in, I think, in episode two when Miss Brad and I attended the New York City premiere of her super fabulous, super bloody horror comedy all about evil. Well, Peaches needs our help. You see, she's trying to get All About Evil distributed on Netflix. So, in order to do that, I am commanding you, my beautiful minions, those of you with Netflix accounts, go over there and put All About Evil in your queue. Let Netflix know that you want to see Peaches Christ. You want to get her wider distribution. You want Peaches to spread wide. Spread Peaches wide. Spread Peaches wide. I'm sure she'll thank us for that. But before we go, I want to announce a contest. That's right. If the world is still here come Sunday morning, I'm going to be giving away a prize to whoever can answer this trivia question. Now, in this episode, in between the review of The Bleeding House and Rabies, I played a song. If you could tell me the name of the song and who sang it, you'll get a very special prize. Now, this is kind of a trick question because there are two possible answers for the who sang it question. There's one answer that I'm really, really looking for. And if you know me by now, you'll know which one I'm talking about. So, if you think you know it, email me your answer at crew at screamqueens.com. That's queens with a Z. And I'll be picking at random out of the correct answers the winner. And the winner will receive a signed copy of Robert R. Best's zombie novel, Lakewood Memorial. You know you want it, so come and get it. Get those answers into me ASAP. I'll be announcing it on the next show. And remember, if you guys want to give me a call here, you can reach me at 347-767-3509. But please keep it under five minutes. And if you want to write me, which is novel, you can write me at crew at screamqueens.com. And that's queens with a Z. You can like me on Facebook. You can follow me on Twitter. And you can just go be funky with your monkey and loose with your goose. Come on, everybody, and shake your caboose. I don't know what I'm saying. So until next time, my squealing litter of queens, continue to make the world a creepier place. And remember, as my grandmama used to say, Ah! It's the apocalypse! <laughs> nah, it's just gas. Bye! I go hunting for witches Some of the music for tonight's program has been provided by Mavio's Music Service. Check them out at music.mavio.com. Bitches! <laughs>